This podcast is a production of Journey, a church community inspiring people to live big. For more information, please visit cincyjourney.org. Hey, good morning. My name is Joe Merrick. I'm the lead pastor here. Thank you so much for joining us here just this week before Christmas. We are thrilled that you are here with us this morning. Especially if you are new this morning, we want to say thank you for being here. We know it's not easy to uh, come to a new place and navigate yourself around, and so we want to say thank you for that. Uh, We want to encourage everyone, whether you're new or you've been around uh, many times before, to reach into the seat back in front of you. You can find a Connect card. Um, The Connect card's in that seat back uh, right before you. Um, And yes, you can put your address and all that kind of stuff. If you're new, uh, we would love that information. It helps us. Uh, But also, we'd love just to send you a thank you in the note. Thank you in the mail. That's where how the notes come is in the mail. Uh, in the mail, we'd love to send you just a th- quick thank you. Also, uh, on the back of that card, oh, there are many things you can share with us. Decisions that you've made, prayer requests you might have, other pieces of information you might want for us. So take a moment, fill that out, and uh, you can drop it in the offering bags that'll go by at the end of our gathering time. Or um, there are some baskets kind of as you exit uh, the auditorium here today. Um, with that, let me just pause and pray for us, and then we'll jump in today. God, thank you so much. Thank you for the time that we have already had together. We have come together and we have sung of your coming, of your birth, the birth of hope and joy and new life that comes to us because you were born. We celebrate that today. Help us to dig into that topic today and this Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, welcome to week number three of our series entitled Unforgettable Christmas. Uh, Yes, if you haven't uh, figured it out yet, there is just one more week till Christmas. I'm trying to look through the lights and see if I see panic. A few of you, yes, um, are thinking about all of the Christmas gifts maybe that you haven't purchased yet. I still got a couple of those. Uh, Or maybe you're trying to put all the plans together of the family, get everybody uh, around the table at one time. That can be hard, I know. Uh, Or maybe it's just trying to get together with uh, some friends for a party. All those kinds of things we are trying to do This week. This is so much of the rush of Christmas. The rush of the Christmas season, the last week, right before the big day. And so many times when we are in this rush, when we're in this section of Christmas, it's so easy for us to skip by what it's really about. It's so easy for us to look at our long to-do list, our shopping list of all the family gatherings, of all the get-togethers at work and with friends, and just to be overwhelmed, and just to miss what Christmas is really, truly about, to miss how powerful this day is, this season is, to miss how unforgettable Christmas can be. 
all this month. As we've been in this series, what we've been discovering together as a church is that if we really want to not miss what Christmas is all about, if we really want to not uh, miss how unforgettable Christmas can be, that we not only need to put Jesus at the center of this season, but we need to make sure that Jesus is at the center of our lives. And that the way that we celebrate him the most is we discover how we can be more like him. That's what we've been doing all this month. What we're going to continue to do today and next week. And you can't talk about Jesus being at the center of your life and not talk about how he transforms us from the inside out. And one of the ways that Jesus transforms us is he makes us into servants. He makes us into servants. Because when we follow his example, when we look at him in the scriptures, when we see the things that he does, and when we hear the things that he says, we can't help but see that he is a servant. Jesus is a servant, and he calls us to follow that example. We find Jesus saying things like, I've come not to be served, but to serve. We find Jesus saying things like, the last shall be first, and the first shall be last. We find Jesus saying, whoever loses his life for me, they will find it. I know This idea of putting yourselves before uh, somebody else, putting someone else before yourself, or serving people. It seems like something we should talk about at church. It seems like a topic that we should discuss, but I want to just get you to pause. To pause and think about how truly countercultural that idea is. Especially this time of year. We turn on the TV, we get on the internet or whatever kind of other media maybe comes into your mind and we are bombarded with messages. Not that say to put other people first, but that we're the ones that matter. Our desires are king. Whatever we want, you deserve it. And so Jesus' message is countercultural to that. This message that he came to serve. This message that he came to create a community of people that have that as a top priority, putting others before themselves. Jesus, not born into power, not born into prestige, but yet he has all the power in the world He comes living a life that is contrary to those selfish messages that were pervasive in his world and are pervasive in our world today. And not only that, but he comes and he says, you know what? I want you to follow me. I want you to live your life like I've lived mine. I want you to have these same principles and ideas. 
this principle of servanthood. It goes all the way back to his birth story. Today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. If you're following along in a Bible, or maybe you brought a phone and it's got the uh, Bible app on it, I'll give you just a minute to to find that. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. It says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and they asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, he was frustrated, upset, and all of Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, where's this Christ child to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi back. He called them secretly, and he found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, and he said this to them, Go and make a careful search for the child. And as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Verse 11, on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and myrrh. And having been been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Today, as we dive into kind of this story as we look at these passages. What I want to do is I want to uh, look at them and, and notice three kind of distinct responses to Jesus coming into our world. Three responses that are very different, but true to life. Three responses that uh, we get illustrated here in the scriptures, but also are, they illustrate how we still today respond to Jesus coming into our world. Here they are. Uh, The three responses to Jesus are indifference, hostility, and transformation. The first is indifference. Uh, We see indifference in the religious leaders of the day. If you remember the story, right, Uh, the wise men, they come to town They say, where is he? Where is the Christ child? They expect everybody to already know what they're talking about, but nobody does. 
King Herod, it says, his uh, anger was kind of stirred when he heard their request. And so he calls together um, the chief priests, the scribes, it says. These people whose profession it was to study scripture, whose profession it was to copy it word for word. And he asked them, where is this uh, child supposed to be born? The answer, in Bethlehem, in Judea. And that's where the indifference comes in. They even can quote where it comes from, Malachi chapter 5. The surprise isn't that they knew the answer. The surprise is that they did nothing with it. If you look at how they respond in the scripture, nothing is stirred inside them. Uh, There's no even curiosity peak that, hey, the, the Messiah has come. They just recite back the kind of rote answer that they know off the top of their mind, but has has made no difference in their heart or their life. They were indifferent. The problem of indifference isn't just an ancient one, it's a modern one too. Lots of people. Lots of people today can give kind of the generalities of the stories of the Bible, can answer maybe even specific questions. Who can give answers like definitions from a dictionary, but their hearts, their hearts are full of selfish ambition. Their days are full of their own agendas with little or no uh, time or thought wondering, what does God want of me in this moment, in this day? It's easy in a world like that, like this, where so much information is prevalent, it's easy to feel like we got the answers to a few questions. We could pass a couple of quizzes, and so we can check the religious box, and we can say, we've got this handled. Then we can go about all our other business and busyness. Hit God. God didn't come to the earth to just have uh, to just give us an acquaintance in Jesus, some obscure figure we know some uh, facts about, like George Washington or some other president. God came to this world so that we could be changed from the inside out. So that our brokenness and sin could be healed. So we could be reborn. So we could live not in separation from God, but in unity with him. So that we could be who God called us to be from the very beginning. That's why Jesus came. We can't fall into the trap of indifference. To think that just because we can uh, give a few answers, we know some information that we've been transformed, that we've been moved. 
Because while Jesus is full of love and grace, we must remember he is never indifferent towards those who are indifferent to him. Second kind of response that we see. Second response we see, we see is hostility. The chief priests, the scribes, they were indifferent, but Herod, Herod was hostile. If you look back at the text, verse 3 says that he was disturbed, he was angry, he was upset by the news of this coming Messiah. He should have rejoiced, but rather in verse 12, it says he plotted. He plotted against Jesus. Because Herod saw Jesus as a threat. He saw him as a threat and he was right to see uh, Jesus that way. If he would have seen him uh, any different way, he would have been like all the other scribes, all the other uh, Pharisees, the religious leaders of that time. He would have just paid no attention. This little baby born in some um, obscure village in poverty, he can't be any real threat to me as the ruler of Israel. That's the, uh, the title that uh, the Romans gave Herod. Herod's right. Herod's right because if Jesus is king, it means that we can't be. Herod is right because if, if Jesus has really come, if the Messiah has really come, it means we must be followers first. There are, of course, many people who are hostile to Jesus today. People who try to disprove him, people who are angry, frustrated, who want to attack and fight. And yet oftentimes, these people are, are taking Jesus even more seriously than those of us who are indifferent towards him because they realize he is a threat. He means something I take him more seriously than those of us who say we believe, but then our lives don't reflect that belief. Final group that we see here in the text is this group that was transformed. These magi, these uh, wise men, and they illustrate transformation. Verse 11. If we could bring verse 11 back up, just listen to these words. On coming to the house, they saw that the child was with his mother, and then they bowed down and they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures And they presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, of myrrh. After all the traveling, after all of the searching, all the time, they find 
these travelers from a distant land who aren't supposed to know anything about Jesus, about the coming Messiah, they find what the indifferent religious teachers missed. They find what the hostile King Herod couldn't foil with all his planning. And they respond in the only appropriate way when it comes to Jesus. They're transformed. From the inside out, they're transformed. And I love that their first response of transformation, I I love that their first act of worship is to serve. Because serving others turns our selfish hearts inside out, places them right where God wants them to be. So today I want to spend a little more time talking about serving. Because when we're serving, when that is a key attribute in our life, with our time, with our energy, it's a reflection of who Jesus is. It's one of the things God calls us to again and again. Serving reflects God's heart to a hurting world. Serving is talked about so often in the scriptures. Uh, The references really could go on almost endlessly. But one of my favorite places, one of the places where I think serving gets described the clearest it's Matthew 25. You just listen to these words. We're starting in 31 and we're going to go down to about 40. It goes a little further than that, but this is the part we'll focus on today. Just listen to these words. Words from Jesus. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels are with him, he will sit on his throne in the heavenly glory. He'll be the king. All the nations will be gathered before him, all of us, and he will separate the people, all of us, from one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He'll put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those on his right, come, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then listen to why, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then it says, the righteous will respond. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? Then verse 40. The king will reply. I tell you the truth. 
whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it for me. I'm not sure I can say it any clearer than Jesus says it there. Jesus says if we want to please him, if we want to do his will, then we have to follow his example. And his example is for us to serve. Today, in our last few minutes, I just have one additional thought and one challenge for you today. The additional thought is this. Serving equals energy. So many times when I think about serving, when I think about uh, scriptures like this, I look at my calendar, I look at all the demands, all the things that I have to do, and like you, I read this and I say, I know God wants me to serve. I know it's one of the things God calls us as a community, as a people to do. It's something he wants foremost in my heart, in our hearts. And yet I have this challenge that you have. I look at it and I go, how am I going to fit it in? Where's it going to go? But serving, serving isn't something that just takes. It's not something that just takes from us. It's also something that gives. All this Last week, we talked about this a bunch last week, but uh, we hosted the Reach Out Lakota uh, uh, Christmas Drive. And I saw people come day after day. People who were putting others before themselves, people who were serving, people who had agendas and things to do, calendar appointments, work that would come and they would bring gifts, who would come and serve. People who worked hard who worked long. And when they left, I so often saw a smile on their face. I didn't see a dejected face of being tired and burnt out. I saw a a person who experienced the joy of doing what God calls us to, and it brought joy to them. It brought energy to them. So many of you have experienced this. Maybe you experienced it here with Reach Out Lakota. Maybe you experienced it serving in Guatemala or some other place. But so often, serving God, serving others, when we do that, we receive as much as we give, even more sometimes. I was reminded of this in a book that essentially said, doing the will of God is pure energy. Then the author goes on. He takes it a step further and he says, in fact, sin in its most basic form is a waste of energy. It's wasting your energy on things you can't have, you can't control. In fact, according to the author, nothing is more de-energizing than sin Because once you waste the energy on things like pride and anger, then you waste even more energy on things like guilt and shame. 
And here's where the light bulb started to go off for me. So often I think of serving as something I'm trying to uh, squeeze into my calendar. So often I think, it, think of it as something that's taking away my limited resources of time and energy. But God wants me to see. God wants me to see serving as a life-giving, energy-filling activity that reflects his heart to the world. That's what God wants our hearts to do this Christmas. That's how he wants it to be unforgettable for us. Because he wants to see us changed. Okay, lastly, my challenge for you. With all that we just uh, read about serving, with this kind of uh, whole picture here of how we're looking at Christmas and we're saying, okay, one of the ways we can celebrate, we can really make uh, God the center of our Christmas, of our life, is we can be more like him. And we can't look at the life of Jesus and not see him serving. With all of that, my challenge to you is to be the biggest servant in the room. Whatever room that you might walk into this week or next week, whether it's at work, at school, at home, imagine yourself, take a moment before you walk in and imagine yourself as the biggest servant there. Jesus was the biggest servant that walked into every room that he went into. That's the example that we have. He was always the one willing to set aside time. Willing to set aside time for others. He was always the one willing to put other people before himself. What I'm advocating for this morning. What am I advocating for is that our hearts should be filled with compassion. They should be filled with compassion more than anyone else's as followers of Jesus. We should be the ones, the quickest to raise our hands and saying, yes, I'll serve. Not just because you ask, but because I want to follow the example that Jesus gives us. His example is to serve. Because that's what we see in the life of Jesus. That's what we've been doing this Christmas. We've been reminding ourselves of ways we can be more like him as we celebrate his birth. Join me in praying about this today. God, You set a beautiful example of service before us. We see that all the way back in your birth story. We see it in your words from Matthew 25 that we read today. God, it is clear to us that we are to follow your example. And one of the examples that you set for us, one of the things that you teach us is to be a servant. God, but so many of us, 
We feel that call. We understand that's something that you desire for us, God, but we look at it wrong. We look at our limited understanding of how the world works. We look at our limited time and our energy and we say, how is it going to work? How are we going to fit it in? God, my prayer right now is that you begin to change that narrative in our heart. And we see serving as something that brings us energy. That brings us time and resources because it gives just as much, if not more, than we give. Lastly, Lord, just as we we think about your birth story and the kind of three responses we talked about today, about indifference, hostility, and transformation. God, as we think about you coming into our world, that's really, those are the three responses we can have. We can be uh, hostile to you, God. We can put up deliberate walls and barriers. We can attack. God, we can be indifferent. That's perhaps the most dangerous. We can be indifferent by thinking that we kind of know some answers to some questions, but those answers, so much like the religious leaders of the day in the story from Matthew chapter 2, they, it didn't change them. They missed, they missed that the king had come. Don't let us miss you. Because God, we know you call us to respond to you coming into our world with transformation, to be changed, to be forgiven, to be redeemed, to be set on a new path. And yes, God, to serve. Help us do that today. In your powerful name we pray.